privilege that it is to come into your presence and to spend this time in your word. Lord, we ask now that it is time as we get into your word that you would illuminate your word to us. You told us in John 16 that you would lead us to all truth, that you would illuminate your word, that God the Holy Spirit would ultimately be the preacher. I don't bring anything to the table. We ask, though, Lord, that you would think with my mind, love with my mouth and heart, and that, Lord, that the saints would be edified, that you ultimately would be glorified. And if there's anyone who's watching us online and anyone who is in the building who does not know you, does not have a personal relationship with you, they may be religious, but, Lord, you're not really into religion. You're into relationship. Pray, Lord God, that you would draw them into a personal relationship with you. So, Lord, we ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus, who is the Christ. In his name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. It's not going to be broadcast for you. I want to make sure that some of y'all have your Bibles. Amen. Amen. I just want to keep you honest. I know this is a this is New Direction, what, Bible Fellowship, so hopefully everybody got their Bibles. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, look at 18. We'll anchor our, um, if you'd be so kind to stand in reverence for the word, that's fine. If, you're not, if you can't able, that's fine too. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. This will be our anchor verse. Real simple verse. Some of you, some of you know it. You Bible students, you know it. In everything... Give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters, it is quite evident in our lives, whether you are in middle school, high school, kindergarten, AARP members, all my AARP members, amen, (laughs) card-carrying members, No matter what age you are, life deals with us a hand. It's almost like you're plucking from a deck. And every day is a different card. Sometimes it's the ace and sometimes it's not the ace. And many of us will go through life, sometimes we've we've gotten addicted to the candy of TV evangelism, and the candy, you know what candy will do, it'll rot out your teeth if you don't be careful. But what it does to the Christians, it actually, uh, some of us have believed that if we do the right thing, if we come to church every Sunday, if we come to Bible study, if we give and we do all those uh, religious things, those we practice those rituals, then everything, our life would be flowing. Our life would be flowing. We'll be prosperous. But In reality, if we look at the Bible and you look at the scriptures, you look at the heroes of the faith, it doesn't match up. And and what I want to talk about today is the theme, how to prepare for Thanksgiving when you are on the menu. See, many of us, we we don't mind praising God when when things are going well. We don't mind praising God when grades are fine, when money is flowing, you know, all of those things. When I got health and strength and, you know, I got a nice car, I got a nice house, you know, especially this is our season. 
If you don't take advantage of this as a Christian for Thanksgiving and Christmas, you, you, you're missing out on the opportunity. But this is our season. It's a season of Thanksgiving. But somehow you lose your juice. You lose the motivation to praise God, to give him the glory, to be thankful when you look at some stuff that you don't have. Your money ain't right. That, that can be, that, that's one right there. You know, you, you're, you got more month than money. That, that can be another one. You, you get, you go to the doctor and they do some blood work and you, you know, one thing about blood work, you know, they, they're always coming back with something you ain't never heard before. Uh, but, but all of those things happen in life. That's the hand that you've been dealt. But the question is, I, I'm not talking about for, I'm talking about for the, for the mature Christian. The question is, will you be thankful? Will you have an attitude of gratitude when things don't go your way? Are you, is God still who you say he is, or is he still the God who he says he is when things ain't flowing the right way? There are many people over the last three years that have lost houses, lost family members, lost jobs, lost careers, I mean, you've lost. You've been through a lost season. But is he still the God of the universe? Is he still? See, see, that's that's what we call grace for grown-ups. You know, because we like that grace that that's all. You know, it's it's sweet, it's good. Oh, but there's some bitter days. There's some days when you don't want to get up in the morning. There's some days when you don't want to roll out of bed. You feel like they're staying in a fetal position. And, and, and just being depressed by yourself. But can you, in the midst of that, be grateful and have an attitude of thanksgiving? Now I want you to flip over to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, I want to investigate the life of Daniel. Many of us know, you've been taught, um, I know this is a Bible teaching, Bible preaching church. A pastor does an excellent job of preaching and teaching the word. Daniel was of a pedigree that he, he was solid from a, from a biblical perspective. He was a solid Christian if we contemporize it. He, the Bible says from, from when, they, when the Babylonians came in, conquered Judah, conquered Jerusalem, they brought the best of the best. And not only was it the best of the best, they were not only best mentally, and talented, but they were solid. They didn't realize they were solid spiritually. If you remember, if I go, if we recover, we summarize this. We he comes in as a teenager with Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro, and the four of them were were very talented. They were very uh, intelligent. They had been through the best Hebrew schools, and they had been prepped for leadership in Jerusalem and in Judah. In Judah but now they, they, are, they are led as captives into the Babylonian, to the Assyrian Empire, and they are chosen by God to be servants to Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, they were, they were servants to Nebuchadnezzar's dad and then to Nebuchadnezzar. So he has the right pedigree. He went to the right colleges. He went to the right universities. He prayed. The Bible says you read the passage. He prayed three times a day. Not those 10, 5, you know, those two-minute prayers we pray in the morning. You know, we call it devotions. You pray two minutes as you're walking out the door. Lord, help. That's it. 
But but he he did all the right. He he was in a ritualistic way. There are good rituals, right? Coming to coming to church, coming to Bible study, coming to Sunday school. You know, he he did all those things. In fact, he was morally and spiritually upright. The Bible says that when it was time for them to bring the the, the meat, the the meals that the king had prepared for them, they said, no, we're not going to eat because the meat had been sacrificed to idols. So they were willing to separate themselves, young people, from the world. They, they, as, a, as, as teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego separated themselves, not, not, not became Jesus freaks, because, you know, some, some people think that, you know, if you make certain, you know, stances for the Lord that you're a Jesus freak. You're not going to have that many friends on Facebook, Instagram, and all that kind of stuff. But the idea was they were willing to sacrifice their social life to stand for Christ, to stand for Christ. So that he did all the right things. He did all the right things, but somehow or another, the three boys, three Hebrew boys, wound up in a fiery furnace. And that's not what we teach to our, in, in fact, sometimes from an evangelism, Tanisha, from a, from a evangelism perspective, we, we, we sell people a, a bit on Christianity that ain't true. We sell them, if you come to Christ, your life is going to be perfect. God is going to save you. He's going to deliver you. and Your life will never be the same. And we don't describe what that means. No, it won't be the same because you're going to, all, the whole enemy, the whole council of demons coming after you now. I've known people that got saved. And as soon as they got saved, the next day, they, they, they just, they, they seemed like the, the, the hounds of hell came after them. We see in this passage, look at uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 1 to 3. It says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. Now, I want you to understand this from a historical perspective. If you remember in Daniel chapter 1, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come into Babylon under the Babylonian Empire. This is not chapter 1. If you look at chapter 6, verse 1, there is a new emperor, Darius. Darius is not from the Babylonian Empire. In fact, what had happened from a historical perspective, some 70 years or more had passed. The Babylonian Empire had, had been conquered by the Persians. Darius is now king and emperor of the Persian Empire. They not only conquered Babylon, but they conquered Egypt, which was a big deal. So now you have Persian Empire that conquers both uh, Assyria, or, or Babylon, and Egypt. And so D uh, Daniel now has served under at least three uh, people. In captivity, he served under um, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dad. He served under Nebuchadnezzar. He served under Nebuchadnezzar's son. You remember the handwriting on the wall? Uh, the handwriting on the wall, the, uh, Daniel prophesied that, Daniel, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son was so arrogant that the Babylonian empire would fall. So he's not the teenager anymore. Because sometimes, you, you Sunday school teachers, you know this, sometimes we teach that Daniel was like 14, year old, 14 years old when he went into the, into the uh, lion's den. No, that was not the case. All my AAR people, he was 80 plus. 
He was 80 plus when he went into the Daniel, when he went into the lion's den. He was not the young man anymore. He he's been serving under either the Persian Empire or the Babylonian Empire for 70 plus years. He is now 80 plus years old. Most biblical scholars believe that he was between 80 to 100 years old. And most of us who are in that age range that you're looking for a retirement, you're looking for a retirement home. In fact, some of y'all, you know, some of, you know, some of us who have uh, some, some level of wealth, you know, we become snowbirds. You, you, you hear up until like the end of this month and you're going down to Florida or somewhere where it's warm. But we're looking for retirement. You're looking for ease. You're looking for to, 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 to hand off to the young people. You, 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 don't, you can't run like you used to run. In fact, you used to run all day long on Sunday and during the week. Now when you walk in a hurry, you get tired. But, but, but this 80-year-old Daniel now, who, has, who is of the pedigree that he is a righteous man, He's done all the things that he was supposed to be doing, but yet and still he finds himself on the menu of the enemy. Some of us have gotten to this age and you realize health, you know, is an issue now. You know, you're not as, you know, there's some things that are challenging you financially. There's some things that are challenging you even emotionally at this age. And you, you say unto the Lord, Lord, why, why, why now? John was in the inner circle. You remember? Peter, James, and John. He, you know, he found himself on Patmos at 75 plus 80 years old, looking for retirement. But he's, he's in jail in Patmos with, on an island with murderers and thieves. Look at Job. Job was a righteous man. Job was a righteous man, but he lost everything. His health, his family, almost lost his wife, his friends. No, this is when you're on the menu. When you're on the menu, when, when the enemy, when, when God allows the enemy to serve you up, are you, do you still have an attitude of thanksgiving? Do you still, are you still praising God? See, some of us, we come in, you know, to the, to the sanctuary, and we need people to pump us up. You know, I, I, I'm, I am so, I, I was so, like, my mouth was wide open when Sierra was singing. Because I knew Sierra back in youth ministry. I had Sierra in youth ministry. So I've known her, like, you know, since here. And, I, and she sang. I, remember, I, I had to remember, she did sing on a choir at, at Christian Stronghold when she was in Philly. And I've seen how she's grown as a woman, as a woman of God. I've seen, you know, I've seen all of that. And I praise the Lord because I see the fruit. Because I don't have hair because of some youth like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got gray right here because of the youth. Some stuff that, that you know, they, they took us through when, when, we were in, when they were in youth ministry. But it takes time. It takes effort. It takes work to do the work of the ministry. I, I noticed these pictures on the wall of the, the, the future church. You, you're not going to get there on flowery beds of Eve. It's going to take sacrifice. And let me help you out. I'm the treasurer at Stronghold. It's going to take money. Right? It's going to take you, it's called a sacrificial offering. It's something above the tithe. Yeah, tithes and offering is good, but you're going to have to make a sacrificial offering to, to the Lord to get into the building. That, see that building? Those lights? That costs money. I tell my people at Stronghold, I, I used to always say it even before, uh, but when I came back, I said, do y'all like heat? Y'all like air conditioning? Y'all like lights? Okay, well, we don't have to have any of it. We can have a candlelight service. 
because people get too, sometimes we get too spiritual about giving. But it, it, all, it all happened when God says, Daniel, you are faithful to me, but, but I still need to show the, the world that you will not bow even at 80 years old. So he's, so it's a season of Thanksgiving, but look what it says. He says he was, he was Jewish. Here's his pedigree. He was a devout man of God. He, as, as a sole minority in the midst of a wicked and perverse Persian empire. The Persians were, were wicked. They were perverse. They were um, morally perverse. They were sexually immoral. They worshiped foreign gods and all that kind of stuff. We, we live in that same society. We, we live in a very sexually uh, perverse, twisted, bent world. And some of us have gotten caught up and swept up into it. You know, we, 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 we get caught up into, um, brothers, we get caught up into pornography. And so that's the, quiet, that's the quiet secret in the church, that 67% of men in the church are addicted to pornography. Don't even, I mean, some of us don't even, even when I said the word pornography, some of y'all just squinting, ooh. <laughs> but the truth is, that's 67% of the men, Christian men are into pornography. Now, ladies, I, I'm not going to leave you alone. It, 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 38%, according to George Barner, you can look at the statistics, 38% of women are into porn. There are, there are women on my job who go with their husbands to strip clubs. These are, quote, unquote, Catholic people, and sometimes even Christian people who are going to strip clubs. But sometimes we have to realize that being devout and being religious is not the issue. See, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it then helps you to stand your ground. Religious is a good ritual. That means you're practicing a good ritual. You know, the Muslims have rituals. The Jehovah Witnesses have rituals. They knock on doors and all that kind of stuff. That's good. But, but as a Christian, we are supposed to study the word, yes. We're supposed to pray, yes. But where is your relationship? See, Daniel, Daniel not only was, he, he was not heavy. He was not just heavy into rituals. He was heavy into his relationship with God. You, you, read, the, you read the text from chapters 1 through 6, um, and, and you'll see that he talked to God. And God talked back to him. He, God revealed to him some, uh, the, the, the gift of being able to, to understand dreams. And, and as a result of understanding the dreams, the Lord promoted him. Some of you are in college and some of you are in high school. Don't, don't think you're going to get to where you want to be from a career perspective just on your own. It is by God's grace. It is by God's wisdom. It is by God's favor that you get anywhere. Amen. So that we, 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 we need to understand that we need to practice a season of thanksgiving and practice a season of gratitude, not because of what you don't have, but because of whose you are. Amen. See, th things, ain't, the things don't have to be right. Things don't have to be always right. Your money ain't right. Your, your marriage ain't right. Your single life ain't right. Whatever else, it's all twisted, broken. If you in, if you jacked up, you're in the right place. Whether you're online or whether whether you're here, you're all you're in the right place because all of us is jacked up. That's why the Bible says, while we were yet what sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah! He died because he knew you were jacked up. He knew that there was no 
There was nothing, uh, Paul says it in, 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 um, in Romans, there is none righteous, no, not one. But as a result of his relationship, he had an attitude of thanksgiving. Look at verses 4 and 5. And you just need to recognize, sometimes we, we, we are not cognizant of where we are. You're not cognizant of whose you are. You're not cognizant of your surroundings. And when you get hit upside the head by the enemy, then you want to complain back to God. Look at what it says. It says, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. I, I, I used to be, uh, I'm an accountant by trade, I'm in IT, and this, but I'm used to there being a lot of salt and a little bit of pepper. In fact, <clears throat> in my job, and uh, in my job, there's only one, I'm the only black manager in my office. And I used to be, feel paranoid about the fact that I would have conversations with people. And you ever had this where somebody says something and you overhear something and you recognize that somebody was having a conversation about you? It's like, well, did y'all have like a meeting about me or something? And, and that is true. That, that probably with Daniel. They had a conversation about Daniel and Daniel was not in the room. But because you have a relationship with the God of the universe, who is what? Omnipresent. Guess who was in the meeting when you weren't there? Hallelujah. Never, 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 never allow uh, this thing we call racism to tell you that you can't get to a certain point, that you can't reach a goal that God has given you. You can't reach whatever God has placed as his will in your life, never allow that to happen because he's the one that, that this moves you and meanders you through all of the mess, all of the oppression, all of the racism, all of the other blockers that keep you from doing what God's will is for your life. Tanisha talked about the fact that of, of missions. We have a tendency to compartmentalize missions and say, well, we're just doing this little thing here. And, you know, people in the church say, well, that's so good for Tanisha. Praise God. I'm praying for you, Tanisha. <laughs> no, but you need to understand every part of your life, you got to live on mission. Whether you, whether you at Delmarva, whether you at UD, whether wherever you are, that's your mission. That's your ministry. Now, some of us are full-time in ministry. Some of us are part-time in ministry. But wherever you are, you are a full-time agent of Christ wherever you are. Amen. Yeah. Amen. He said, but they couldn't, look at the, it says, but they could not find anything to criticize or condemn him. They look for stuff. They're looking for stuff. To, they, they, they just looking, they, they are, they're looking at you. They're trying to find some stuff on you. Now, the, the problem is, do you know, do people know in your, in your, in your workplace, in your school, in your college, do they know you saved? Do they know you love Jesus? Or have we shied away from that? Because, see, it's not cool to talk about Jesus Christ in certain, you know, we, we could talk about politics before you talk about Jesus. And, but when you, when you stand on the fact that I love Jesus, I serve Christ, and not only do I say that lip-wise, I live it. Now, none of you, none of us are going to be perfect. You know, we are all, we still have the flesh. The flesh will never change. I don't care how old you are, you know, somebody pressed the wrong button, there's some things that are going to come out of your mouth that you didn't think were still there. And some of y'all were professional cussers. You know, you, you professional, you know, you know how to cuss 
And people feel like you got, they cut you. You're like, damn, am I bleeding? Am I bleeding? Because you, you knew how to put them curse words together. But no, no, no. The flesh never changes. Uh, he was put on the menu, but they couldn't find anything against him. Not that he was perfect, but because of God, God confused them to the point where they said, we, we, we can't attack him. He, he, was, he was above, he lived above the, 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 the rule of law. He was, he was exceptional. That's why God says that he expects the believers, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, to do whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Ecclesiastes 9 says that when you do, whatever your hand is assigned to do, do it with all your might. He was above you know, they couldn't find anything from a secular perspective. They, they searched for stuff. They couldn't find anything. He was on time for work. When he went to lunch, he went to lunch and came back. You know, because the comedian said, when we, go, when we leave to go to lunch, we leave. Look, look what it says. He says, he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Verse 5. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rule of his religion. That was the only way they were going to attack. He said, well, we, we can't find anything against him, you know, from a, a secular perspective, but we know we can get him when it comes to religion. Because you know why? Because they knew three times a day, they, they knew where Daniel was going to be at. That they knew don't mess with Daniel on Sunday because Daniel, go, between you know, 9 and 12, Daniel's at church. They knew that well, 6.30 or 5.30, he, he cutting up because he going to Bible study. That he had that kind of lifestyle. He had that kind of lifestyle where they, they knew that we we're going to have to get him when it comes to his relationship with Christ. When, when it comes to his relationship with God, I'm reading from the NLT. Um, so you're on the menu. Yes, they are coming after you. Not, don't think it's just, just racism. No, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. We, we're, if you haven't seen the news, maybe you don't watch the news, do, do you see the demonic influence of the enemy? Somebody goes into Walmart, a manager at Walmart just goes in and starts shooting people. And even in a letter, if you read the letter that he wrote, he said it, it, was, like, uh, it was like a demonic evil that was, that was telling him to do what he was doing. A, a man shoots his his baby mama in the head and shoots her in the stomach. Is that not demonic? When you shoot somebody 40 times and stand over the body, is that not demonic? No, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. No, you, you, you see, some of us have gotten swept up to, I know I'm getting in trouble now, some of us have got swept up to politics. God never called us to be Democrats or Republicans. Now, and I, I, want you to, I want you to write this down and you go research it. We don't have no rights, according to the Bible. Because everybody won't go back to the Constitution. Forget about the Constitution. Go back to your Bible for a second. The Bible says you are not your what? Own. You have been bought with a what? Price. So you don't have a right. And I know I'm, I, I'm I, you know, I, I can only be here once a, once a year, you know. But, but, but there are certain things that we don't have a right to do. No, you don't have a right to kill. No, you, you don't have a right to own a gun. According to the scriptures, no, you don't have that right. God give, gives us, gave us the Constitution through the government, but as a Bible-believing Christian, 
You don't have those rights. That they, they always want to, I got I got I can carry a gun. I have, you, you can't, you, uh, and I'm touching on a, a sensitive subject. No, you cannot do what your body, what your body, what you, what you want to do with your body. No, sorry. It's in the Bible. Now, you know, there's, there's, there's different issues with that. But again, he stood on his religious, on his practices. He was an outstanding, up, upright Jew. He knew the law. Sometimes we have a tendency to compromise based upon political issues. I've asked tons of people about abortion, and I've gotten tons of different answers. Well, you know, well, you know. Now, I, I don't, all I want to know is, it, according to the Bible, is it right or wrong? Now, there are, some, there are other things that play out, but abortion is sin. Now, God says, and, and I need to cover this, if you had an abortion, God will forgive you. That's not, that's not the point. The point is, is it right or wrong? You know, is shooting someone um, right or wrong, right? It, it is, is, are, are the things that we see in this world, is it right or wrong? See, what we have done as African Americans, as Christians, as believers, we have removed the truth. Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Inside of your, God the Holy Spirit resides in you, you, you got saved, you know the truth, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to the truth. The question is, will you respond to the truth? The Holy Spirit convicts you. That's what it says in John 16. He says he will convict the world of what? Sin. And some of us, we ignore the truth of the Bible because we're living according to what the world says. Stop spending so much time. You spend more time on CNN than you do in the Word. CNN ain't going to help you. We know what the end is like. The world is still going to be here at the end. You know why? Because Jesus is coming back. Spend a, we're going to spend a thousand years here on earth, according to the scriptures. So the world ain't going nowhere. Guess what? Israel ain't going nowhere either. Right? So y'all believe all the hype. Don't believe all the hype. Believe the Bible. All right? But he says that you're on the menu. You are under attack. Well, how are we under attack? Next, next, uh, next, uh, next slide. Next slide. Six, I forgot where I was. Slide six. Keep on. Keep on. All right, stop. It's, it, you're on the menu. The enemy uses people, society and culture, and circumstance to conspire against us. I tell my kids all the time, you know, your teachers don't like, all your teachers do not like you. No, they don't. They don't. Those of you who have been in, you know, in, in, in uh, higher education and have been in a college and graduate, you know your professors don't like you. And that's just the truth. Now, some of them, you know, praise the Lord, if some of them are saved, that's fine. But you ain't going to get all saved professors. So the enemy uses the professor. I, I had a professor who, he told me, point blank, I don't like you. I mean, he just said it to me. I handed in a paper, and he cursed at the paper. He says, this is S. And I was, you know, I, I went home and I told my mom about it, and she was like, and what? And I'm like, well, isn't that a problem? No, welcome to the club. Some of y'all younger, y'all don't know that, that your boss will cuss at you. And if I, told, I told my kids, if my boss cussed at me and I quit, boy, I would, y'all wouldn't have the house, y'all wouldn't have, you know, it was a lot of stuff y'all wouldn't have. No, but Christians are supposed to be thick-skinned. 
We're supposed to be what? According to Galatians 5.12, what? Long-suffering. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. That means not only you are, you are thick-skinned, you're not concerned. I, I, I could care less whether you're cursing me or not. As long as you pay me at the end of the week, I'm fine. <laughs> and if you don't pay me, I don't come to work. Now, you hold, a chip, you hold a paycheck, guess what? I ain't coming to work. And guess what? The Lord got some other place for me to be. But during the holidays, your faith is under attack. We cannot afford, as Christians, to cower during the most prominent time of the year. We can't afford to do it. We can't afford to do it. I was privileged every year. The Lord lays a burden on my heart when I go over to my family's house for Thanksgiving, when we did, when we were back together this year, that I was going to say something for the Lord. You know, some of my family is into uh, African cults and things like that. Um, black Hebrews and, and all the like. Um, but I, I don't care. I wasn't going to cower from telling them that there is only one way. It's not, it's, it's not, it's an absolute. Je- I didn't say it. I, I, I tell people, I don't even argue with you. I didn't say it. <laughs> Jesus said it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by what? Me. Paul f- finished it up in Colossians and said, the fullness of of the deity was in Christ. No, no, no. There is no, Jesus was not just not this good man. He was not just a good prophet. That's a lie from the pit. Don't cower and let people, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. No, if they offended, they ain't offended because of you. They're offended because of what the word says. No, we, we, we have to see Thanksgiving when you are gratitude, when you have an attitude of gratitude, what did your mama teach you? When somebody does something, you say what? Thank you. So if somebody, if God has done so much for you, if he has transformed you and snatched you out of the darkness, brought you into the marvelous light, you ought to say something. You ain't got to know all the word. And nobody, you don't have to beat people side the head with the Bible. But the question is, will you tell somebody what he did for you? Will you tell them, whether you're in high school, do you, do you tell them how he got you through physics or biology? You tell them how, how, how is it that you, you know, you, you get A's and B's and, and whatever. Or I, I pray, I pray and I ask God. I prayed and I ask God to help me on this test. That's enough word right there. How, how is it that you still a virgin? Because I believe the word. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, that this is the will of God, even sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. Oh, I know I hit it on a sour note right there. No, no. And look, look I, I'm, I want to bring it to the center. Yes, you are infatuated. God gave us infatuation. Infatuation is not evil, but it's meant for a certain time and a certain season in your life. You're only really supposed to be infatuated with the woman that you're going to marry. And sometimes we, you know, you know all of us were in love did. We, we you know, you know I, I can tell, like, I, I, I could tell when, when Sierra was in the youth ministry. All the girls, at a certain point, you know, they started wearing makeup. They started wearing lipstick. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and I realized some boy at school then told them they loved it him, or they loved it her, rather. They start changing their appearance, and, you know, they, they just like flowers, like, wow. You know, not, I'm not saying you, Sierra. I'm not saying you. I'm not saying you. I, 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 I won't name names. My bad, my bad. But all of us have been there. You know, you, you, know, you couldn't think, you know, you're on the phone. What you doing? 
I ain't doing nothing. What you doing? I ain't doing nothing. Are you sleepy? I ain't sleepy. No, you're just infatuated with that person. You think about that person, right? That's, that's fine. That's, that's God created those emotions in us. But sexual, sex was designed for marriage. Hebrews 11, the, the bed is undefiled, but God will judge the whoremonger. Oh, that's, that's in the scriptures. That's in the Bible. But when you're like Daniel and you have an attitude of gratitude, you will open your mouth and you will willingly tell people, you don't got to tell them all the scriptures, but you got to tell them what God did for you. Not, not 30 years ago either. Not, not 30 years ago. You, you got to have something that the Lord did for you yesterday and the day before yesterday. I, I was in, I'll I, I tell you a quick, quick testimony. I bought a car last Monday, two weeks ago. I upgraded, I had to trade in my other car, and I got an, another used car. Tuesday, I had an accident and totaled the car. And you know, some, you know, men, you know how you are with your cars. But the main thing, I, was, I shouldn't be here. The car was totaled. If I show you some of the pictures, you'd be like, wow, how did you get out of that? Me and my daughter. And I said to my wife, I said, God saved us. No, that's what I'm gratitude, that's what I got a gratitude for. That, that at the, the least, I'm not thinking that I could have not been here that next second. But I'm working my angels. The Bible says he, that, that angels are encamped around those that love him. He, the angel tried to take off on, two, on Wednesday, but he couldn't. I worked them all very hard on Tuesday. And some of y'all, y'all working your angels really hard. And then I can imagine the angel going back to the Lord and saying, Lord, please, give me a day off. They working me. They killing me. No, but the, the, you don't even know. Remember the old people say danger is seen and unseen? Next slide. Daniel 6, 6 to 9. Your faith is under attack. Listen. Your faith in God is under attack. Your faithfulness is under attack. Look at verse 6, <clears throat> chapter 6, verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, and advisors, and governors, that the king should have a law that will strictly be, that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty will be thrown into the dens of lions. This is where we get into this secular component of, you're not Republican? You're not a Democrat? You don't believe, you believe abortion is sin? You believe this? Yeah, I believe it. I, I, had, a, I had a very, uh, one of my mentors challenged me one day. He said, you're a smart guy. And he was a partner in the firm. And uh, he said, you're a smart guy, but you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And it caught me off guard. I had to you know, think for it. I said, yeah, I do. He's the only way. Not because of what I just believe, but because of what the Bible says. Now, you got to stand on that. Not only do you stand on it, do you believe it? Do you, do you really believe when the rubber meets the road that Jesus is the only way for salvation. Um, and, and when it comes to your life, see, we, we, we not, as, a, as, as, as believers, we, our faith is not under attack like you in India or you in Thailand or you in some Muslim country. 
you can worship God freely. No, they, 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 the Muslims in certain countries, like in Turkey, they put bombs in the churches. They, pl- they, they plant bombs in churches. And when people, all everybody gather, when everybody gathers, they, they, they blow the building up. Right? But we're getting to there. We're getting there. When, when, when it comes to lifestyles, I love everybody. I don't love your lifestyle. I love everybody. Yeah, in Genesis, there's only a male and a female. That's what the Bible says. God created him male and female. Now, if you decide to present yourself as something else other than that, I love you, but I don't agree with you. I don't, I know, I, I'm not homophobic. No, I, 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 there's a lot of gay people I work with. There's a, there's a lot of transsexuals that I work with sometimes. You know, I have to kind of check to see, okay, is this a woman or a man? But I love them because Jesus loves them. But Jesus, I, 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 I'm a some of you are parents, and you've been parents, and you know, I know now what God, how God thinks. It's almost like you, you love the child, but you hate their behavior. I mean, it's a little bit stronger when it comes to the Lord and him hating sin. But I, sometimes I tell my kids, I love you, but I don't like you. And they're like, oh, well, you know, the dad is on his, 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 uh, his, his, his uh, box now. He's going to preach about so-and-so and so-and-so. No. Whether you, whether you like it or not, you got my DNA. Even when you get out of my house, I'm going I'm to I'm say what I'm going to say. In love. But they, they gave orders because of the fact that he, they knew Daniel would preach. They knew Daniel would teach. They knew Daniel would stand on the word. He says, and now your majesty issue and sign the law. So they signed laws that will prevent Daniel from worshiping God from coming to church on Sunday, from simply praying to any other God besides the emperor. So now the question is, we worship the Constitution. We worship the president. Well, how do we know we worship the president? Because whoever's in office, if the, it ain't the person I want to be in office, we're all out of sort. I don't care whether, I have, whether you got, I got a red hat. If I walked in today with a red hat on, a red mega hat on, y'all be like, okay, we out. <laughs> anything, anything that affects you that way, that becomes an idol to you. In other words, politics has become an idol. You know why I know it? Because I know it, if it's in my church, it's in your church. There's some of us, we're divided because some of us are Republicans, some of us are Democrats. God didn't call us to be Democrats or Republicans. He called us to be salt and light. Yeah, you got to allow the Lord to lead you. You got to allow the Lord to give you wisdom on who to vote for and things of that nature. That's what we're supposed to do. But, but, but politics should never be our idol. No, he, they didn't, Daniel was not called to worship the emperor. He was called to serve the emperor. But he's, he worshiped the Lord. Next slide. The rituals of our faith are under attack. The rituals of our faith, the, your prayer life is under attack. How do you know it? Because you, you, you don't have that much time to pray anymore. You spend more time on Facebook than you do in prayer. You spend more time on Instagram than you do in prayer. You spend more, t- spend more time watching Channel 6 or whatever news station. Think about it. How much time do you look at Instagram? How much time do you spend? On, you, you ever notice that you can pull up Facebook and be on there and hours pass and you thought it was like 10 minutes? And for us older folk, the grandchildren. You know, uh, the, the things of life. Uh, 
you know, going to the store. Some of my family members spend two hours in Kohl's. I didn't name any names. I'm not even going to look in that direction. Right? But they're faithful. They, they, nah, uh, they're faithful. They spend time in the Word, but I just can't spend two hours in Kohl's. Sorry. But, ladies, you know, and some, some men are that way. Right? But that should, in other words, nothing in our lives, that, in the clutter of our lives, should be, should, should, should be more important to us than worship, prayer, and reading the word of God. It shouldn't be that way. And that's what I mean, our, our faith is under attack. There, there was a time when you were faithful. There was a time when, you, when, when the doors opened of the church, you were here. But now you got a, us got a job, you know, and us got a new car, and us got a little bit of education, and as a result, we no longer have that same love and infatuation for God. But when we didn't have something, we didn't have the car, when we had to get a ride to church, when, when, when things were low in our, you know, when, when the money wasn't right, when, when those things weren't right, you know, we, we were all up in God's face. Lord, please, please, please. We're pleading the blood. Get Pentecostal, the blood of Jesus. Look at uh, verse 10, chapter 6. I'll close with this. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. Look what he did. He knelt down as usual. As usual, meaning it was a ritual. Upstairs room and his window toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Do your circumstances interrupt your rituals with God? When, 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 when things are not right, when, when you're under attack, this is, what you, this is what we mean by we have an attitude of thanksgiving. When things are, we are under attack, when our faith is under attack, when our wives are under attack, when our husband's under attack, when our family members are under attack, when life is, is attacking you, do you still, is the first thing that you do, think about is prayer. No, you don't have to get down on your knees. Sometimes, you, sometimes it calls for going to the bathroom, get on your knees in the stall. But is the first thing that you think about is calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. See, that, 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 I'm going to help you out from a therapeutic perspective. That relieves a lot of stress in your life. Because when I go to the Lord, I can leave it there. Lord, they're not treating me right. Lord, I don't have the money that I should have, Lord. Lord, I need this and I need that. And you, the Lord knows you need it. But he wants to draw you closer to him so that he can under so that he can listen to you and you can hear what the Lord has to say. The Bible, we used to sing a song that David, that Daniel prayed three times a day. So much so, the song says that the angels in heaven would open up the windows just to hear what Daniel had to say. Are we that devout? No, no, no. I'm not saying, what I'm saying is, is that all of us, the, the, you know, in, in the Old Testament, the pillar of cloud was here. They were led by a pillar of cloud during the day, and they led by a pillar of fire at night. There were times when the nation of Israel was in the wrong place. In other words, you can, the pillar of fire is over here. They're here. 
The cloud by day is here and you're over here. The question is, are you praying? Is your prayer, is it your contrite prayer, broken and contrite prayer, that God, would you move me from where I am to where you want me to be? That's the point. God is, the Bible says God is drawn toward the broken and contrite heart. See, we, pride don't get you anything. It, it, it gets you no pleasure. You know, some sin gives you at least pleasure. But pride, you don't get anything out. In fact, he, the Bible says he, 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 he moves away from the proud heart. It frustrates him because there's nothing in it. He knows you're going to sin, but it, it was so, it bothers God so much. Why do you think he kicked Satan out of heaven? Pride, the first sin, pride. It don't, it don't make anything to be prideful. But when we are willing to put ourselves, Romans chapter 12, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. That's where you're at. Now you're, now you're following. Now you're in the center of his will. But the scripture goes on to say that, you know, talking about renewing of your mind. But then it says, after you renew your mind, then, look at this, if you read that passage, then you will be able to understand what God's good and perfect will is for your life. A lot of us are struggling with what is God's will for my life. But unless you're willing to put yourself on the altar and surrender yourself as a living sacrifice and recognize that, yes, you are on the menu, you can't understand what God's will is for your life. What do you do? How do you prepare when you are on the menu? How do you prepare for Thanksgiving? During this season, when you recognize, oh, the Lord got me on the menu. Let's look to the Lord. Our Father and our God, we bless you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to come into your presence. I pray, Lord, now that the seed of your word would fall on good ground. 